Welcome to FRT, the IF podcast at the intersection of finance, regulation, and technology. I'm Conan French, director on the digital finance team here at the IF. In this episode of FRT, we're going to explore the frontier of innovation and disclosure and regulatory compliance in DeFi. DeFi or distributed finance is a hot, fast-growing area of innovation using blockchain technology. It's probably a term that you, you've probably heard recently, but you may not really be very familiar with. DeFi is a collective term for financial products and services that are accessible to anyone with an internet connection, and they're largely maintained by their users or community rather than a centralized intermediary. And the technology that they're built on really emphasizes that and builds in the structure and the, the functionality. And today to talk about DeFi, we're happy to be welcoming back Chris Brummer, Georgetown University law professor and a deep thinker about the future of finance and regulation. Chris has just released a new paper, Disclosure, DApps, and DeFi, which is out on Medium now and forthcoming on the Stanford Journal of Blockchain Law and Technology. Chris also convenes a FinTech Week in Washington, D.C. each year, which has become the must-attend event for the entrepreneurs and policymakers who are forging the future of finance. It also keeps Chris on the pulse of what's new and what's coming next with some of the leaders in the blockchain industry. So welcome, Chris, and we're really excited to have you back for this episode of FRT. It is always a pleasure, and it's so good to uh, be with you again. So DeFi, you know, again, is one of those terms that I think people have become familiar with, but might not really understand what's under the, the hood there. And it's you know, also got a, a number of other application areas that we'll be getting into a little bit further down. But maybe start off with what's novel and different about these technologies, and why does that change the game and you know, drive the, the need for change in regulation and supervision? Well, you know, I, I think you get an A for, you know, your your very handy 30-second uh, recap of what DeFi is. You know, when you think about traditional regulation and, and traditional finance, it really was always focused on some kind of centralized party. And so the regulation of traditional finance has, in turn, um, really uh, highlighted that. So if you think about centralized parties like stock exchanges or, or certain parties that wield a certain amount of influence in terms of how transactions are either memorialized or executed. Now, DeFi is very, very different because it's, it's really predicated on protocols, on, on different kinds of computer programs, and it's redundantly enforced by uh, numerous parties and at least theoretically, uh, independent parties. So as you had mentioned, you know, it's, it's more of a community-based form of operationalizing core systems in finance. And, and that really does put a lot of pressure on, you know, not just how to do things, but, but also whom to regulate. And as you think about where we are in the development and deployment curve of these things, you know, what, what are your thoughts? Is this you know, really nascent? I think things are moving pretty quickly. And that's, you know, with new technology, always one of the concerns. But where do you see us on the development curve? Well, you know, there is a certain kind of irony, right? Because things are moving very quickly, and yet it's still very nascent, right? So it's very early stage, but at the same time, the field, the entire space, is frankly, you know, witnessing this explosion in terms of the number of people who are operating in the space from the engineering and development standpoint. Um, it's tracking a lot of brain power, and there are plenty of studies sort of tracking individuals leaving their traditional finance jobs and, and moving into DeFi from lawyers to software engineers to business development and, and, and even communications uh, professionals. And, you know, people are really trying to experiment with how do you facilitate, again, transactions and how do you integrate different kinds of building blocks to 
the DeFi space, building blocks like protocols, like smart contracts, really automated programming into a decentralized architecture to support any range of things going on, right? Um, we'll be talking a little bit more about finance and financial transactions. How can you automate certain kinds of financial transactions such that they are executed on a peer-to-peer -peer basis? But, you know, there are a lot of other very interesting kinds of applications that are really built on the particularities of a blockchain and, 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 and the fact that a blockchain really does allow the digital representation of things. Can you then use that ability to represent things and integrate it into, again, a, a, an environment that's powered by automatic uh, programs and, and, and protocols. So far, people have estimated dollars that worth are... of crypto has flowed through different DeFi applications. And as you talk about those things that are going on, you know, a few of them, NFTs, uh, which stands for non-fungible tokens, DAO, or Decentralized Autonomous Organizations, and DIDs, which is a new type of uh, distributed self-sovereign identity program. So those are three examples of some of those things going on, as you, as you mentioned. Are, are there any others that you would add to the mix or things that you would further explain about those NFTs and, and DAOs before we get into the, the details of regulation and, and their flow? Well, um, other than, of course, you know, what I'm, you know, when we get into the paper is, is to really push on that point that you're uh, mentioning, number one, that this is early stage, and, and number two, you're really identifying just a couple of the more popular use cases. And it's really interesting for lawyers and for regulators and for policymakers and even engineers and founders, you know, everyone's hard at work trying to figure out what really is the full universe of use cases and applications in a world where you can have, again, you know, these particular building blocks and tools that are built on top of uh, a blockchain. So it's still an early phase of that innovation and creativity of what you can do with these blockchain technologies, these automated contracts, these virtual goods. The Board Ape Yacht Club has certainly caught a lot of uh, creativity and, and attention in the space, but any other thoughts on those applications before we dive into some of the you know, current regulatory and supervision questions? Well, you know, I, I really decided, you know, to, to jump right into that regulatory question. And there are a number of use cases and, and even just as interesting, you know, a, a number of questions about what the economic consequences are of those use cases. So, you know, when you can have an NFT community, you know, and there's, there's very interesting conversation about how does this impact the allocation of rents and even ownership, you know, when people participate in all kinds of musical endeavors or entertainment or, or the like. But, but for me, you know, the, the, the question of not just DeFi, but, but really public blockchains, you know, I think that they make possible a very unique opportunity to, to reimagine regulation itself, you know, and, and that's a really interesting idea. And it's one that hasn't really attracted all of the attention or really any attention. Uh, and it was something that I really wanted to, to emphasize and to really sort of kickstart a conversation and, and to take advantage really of the opportunity to explore one of the uh, seminal areas or issues of, of regulation, which is disclosure. And as you, you thought about that, what's the current state of regulatory oversight and supervision for DeFi? <laughs> well, I mean, I, I, think, I think that, you know, to be honest, it's, it's kind of chaotic, you know, but, but it is an interesting opportunity for people 
to learn not just about crypto, but also about how financial regulation and even the government works. Right? You know, I'm not going to start to uh, sing schoolhouse rock songs of, you know, I'm just a bill or something. But, you know, when you, when you watch, you know, the drama sort of play itself out, you are reminded that there are a lot of different stakeholders and interests that really have a hand in how the space will ultimately look, at least from a regulatory standpoint, right? I mean, you have uh, regulators, and even within that bucket, you have a, a, a certain diverse uh, group of interests um, with different kinds of tax. I mean, the attention up to this point has been focused on the SEC, uh, and it's really muscular use of enforcement, or at least the, the threat of enforcement, to drive certain kinds of regulatory outcomes. Um, but, but you're also seeing, even from, from the SEC, you know, attempts to introduce uh, some forms of substantive regulation, like the proposal to require all automated market makers um, with more than $50 million to register. It's, it's a pretty controversial take because it would include decentralized exchanges. But in any event, you have the SEC as an agency. You, you, at, at the same time, you have another branch of government that is really exploring another regulator, right? So you have bipartisan efforts um, by uh, Senators uh, Lummis and, and Gillibrand, you know, really trying to think through ways to confer more power to the CFTC, the sister agency to the SEC and the derivatives uh, regulator, attempts even in, in the Agriculture Committee to really think about whether and the degree to which digital assets and by extension, certain core features of the DeFi ecosystem would be more relevant to, to the CFTC. Uh, but even beyond then the regulators and, and, and the policymakers, you're also made very well aware of the fact that you have the executive branch. And, and there we've seen uh, in the last two weeks this executive order issued by the president, or at least signed by the president, and it's focusing on, on a number of issues from consumer protection and financial stability to illicit activity, something that's been a real interest for senators like uh, Elizabeth Warren um, in, in terms of shoring up and preventing sanctions of evasion. The executive order also focuses on U.S. competitiveness, uh, financial inclusion, and responsible innovation. So lots of different parts to that order. And by extension, it's being addressed to really the entirety of government. And, and what's been one of the more sort of interesting aspects of that is that you don't see any regulatory agency or even the Fed, frankly, taking primacy in terms of how that executive order would be coordinated. Instead, you see much of the important legwork from the coordination end, at least, taking place uh, at the White House, even though the White House would not have any formal authority over the execution of that executive order. And I think that's a key message of your paper, right, is that the regulators have woken up and focused on this area. They're moving quickly, and it's a good time and opportunity for the blockchain industry and uh, DeFi entrepreneurs to get focused and get engaged in disclosure and interested in what your motivation was for this paper. What's the opportunity that you saw and, and why you think this moment is important to focus on this? You know, when, when you look at what's happening, again, on the ground, there is a lot of talk about disclosure. I mean, a lot. Uh, you know, uh, SEC um, uh, Chairman Ginsler has made numerous comments about whether or not, and, and qu really queried whether or not people are receiving the kinds of disclosures that they deserve when um, trying to navigate the space. Um, the GAO sort of just released a report, also including certain kinds of comments on disclosure. And I think that that as the ecosystem has uh, matured, or or at least grown. It's attracted much more attention because of, of the size, but the technology is also evolving quickly, and it's also creating sort of these parallel opportunities. 
right? To, to, to really think about not just compliance, but what the, the very definition of disclosure should, should mean. And so, you know, getting back to the, the, the comment on blockchains, I, I think that just blockchains themselves and these certain kinds of applications introduce the possibility of really integrating a, a kind of crypto native disclosure system into the very applications where, you know, disclosure enhancements are, are, are being sought. And, and I think that's a really interesting idea. And, and, and I just, maybe I should add just, just, just one sort of interesting philosophical take that I, I think some of your, of your listeners may, may appreciate. You know, w when you think about disclosure, the very question of disclosure is, is a far way away from kind of the 1930s paradigm that we've worked with under securities law in lots of different ways. And one of the more interesting ways is that when you think about information and material information or the relevant information that many of the people who navigate DeFi would need in order to, to, to use an application safely or to engage in a kind of financial transaction, a lot of that information is actually already there on a, a public blockchain, right? That, that information is there, but you have to be a very technically sophisticated actor in order to access that information, you know, that, that code lying on a blockchain. And I think that really does push us to rethink the purpose of disclosure. So when you think about securities law and securities sort of disclosure, we have this kind of filing system um, that's evolved where usually retail investors are not the target for that disclosure. Instead, you go, a company goes, makes their filings, puts them on the Edgar database. Retail investors are never going to the SEC's Edgar database. It's, again, uh, that's ma maintained uh, by the SEC. Instead, it's really the, sophistic the financially sophisticated actors that access that, that, that information. And only if something goes wrong do those disclosures become important, and usually in, in the context of uh, lawsuits. But if you already have a lot of that material information that's available to sophisticated actors, maybe the question we should be thinking about or the purpose of disclosure should be focused and tailored towards protecting the average investor, not, not, not the technologically sophisticated actor. And I think that that lends to an understanding of disclosure before you get into all the technical solutions into an understanding of, of, of disclosure that should perhaps be more firmly tied to consumer protection principles than securities regulation. In, in other words, maybe a, a system of disclosure that is actually designed to be read as opposed to filed. And when you move in that direction, and then again, thinking about how DeFi operates and some of the building blocks of DeFi, you really start to come up with some very interesting observations and, and potential solutions. So using the technology itself to, to make and the automation that it enables to make that disclosure really useful for the average user, that's um, you know, a great innovation. And I think NFTs are a place where you have had a lot of consumers moving. There have been a lot of questions about consumer protection, and I think that would provide sort of a good use case for listeners of, of what you can see happening there. Yeah, you know, NFTs are really interesting, right? So, so the, the, the cool thing or the interesting thing about blockchains, about DeFi, is that it really presents an opportunity to take disclosure to where the participant is, right? Like, can we think of a disclosure system that leverages the technology that an individual uses in order to inform them in ways to be empowered, you know, when they're working with increasingly sophisticated uh, technical systems. And, and NFTs, because of their popularity, everyone's kind of, you know, aware of them, 
or at least knows what they are in, in, in a very broad sense um, due to commercials or, 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 or whatnot, you know, it, it seems that, an, it, that NFTs would be a really interesting and obvious place to start, you know, uh, because they are mechanisms that can be used and are often used and almost invariably used to deliver information. Now, the way in which NFTs usually deliver that information is really, you know, providing a, a digital representation to some kind of tangible or intangible thing in the world, right? And, and, and as such constitutes a, an asset. And so it's usually associated with maybe being, you know, a kind of digital baseball card, you know, at least in its earliest uh, edition. And, it's the, and, and that's evolved over time to different kinds of applications that span music and even other forms of, of entertainment. But what I was really trying to think about is maybe there's a way to think about NFTs beyond just those purposes and to think about it as a building block for a disclosure system precisely because it can operate as kind of a bridge, you know, to take information, material information, the important information to where the end user actually is. And, you know, the, the, the paper kind of goes through different models that could be used to make that happen. Now, you know, the, the basic or most intuitive model would, would probably be one where you'd say, okay, let's, let's go tokenize some kind of disclosure and put that information on a blockchain. But, you know, anyone who knows or has operated on chain knows how expensive gas fees are. It's, you know, NFTs um, usually don't have extensive digital information that's sort of coded onto it. You, and, and so you really wouldn't be able to profitably just reduce an entire uh, disclosure document onto an NFT. NFTs are really interesting because they allow and they offer the opportunity to really bring disclosure to where the end user is, right? I mean, they can represent physical or digital items on blockchains, but they can also be programmable, right? I mean, they can embed or they, they can be embedded within uh, smart contracts and in a way to really create a new disclosure experience for end users or investors. And I, and I really kind of emphasize this, this idea of a disclosure experience because right now, when you look at securities law, that model, there is no disclosure experience for retail investors, right? You know, they, they depend on things happening in the background once that disclosure is dropped off over in, in the Edgar uh, database. Now, in a, in a very intuitive case, you can imagine an NFT uh, basically tokenizing disclosures available for an end user to review. So under this model, disclosure could be submitted to prospective investors or end users of decentralized applications via an, an, an NFT. And then that NFT could in turn contain information, basically the, the, the disclosures relevant to uh, any particular application. Uh, but, you know, realistically, for those who have been on blockchains and, and in particular, DeFi ecosystems, you know just how expensive that can be. And frankly, you know, in the absence of, of, of certain kinds of upgrades to blockchain technology, disclosure NFT would likely not fare very favorably to low-cost solutions like email, right, when it comes to just delivering rote information. And so I, I say, you know, as opposed to either trying to embed a disclosure onto an NFT or even having an NFT that points to some kind of off-chain disclosure, it would probably be most interesting to rethink the very tokenization thesis of the NFT. But by that, I'm, I'm trying to say, is there something that we could get our disclosure system to do that existing disclosure systems can't do?
And it's from that standpoint that I start to think about this idea of, 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 of tokenizing not so much disclosure, not just a pointer to some kind of document off chain, but is there a way to tokenize the experience of learning about the disclosure, right? Is there a way to tokenize the engagement with the disclosure? And so the paper kind of goes through a, a number of different kinds of models, models like gamifying off-chain an individual's exposure to disclosure, right? So you have a very truncated disclosure model, one more akin to the consumer protection model. And then, you know, you can gamify that experience where people navigate a game or a test, a couple of questions, and then once they answer those questions correctly, they can receive an NFT, basically evidencing a successful engagement with that disclosure. And that token could then be deposited into the end users or the investor's uh, wallet. Now, that's super interesting, right? Because now you're not just saying or evincing some kind of evidence of having received disclosure, but really some kind of engagement with that disclosure. And in turn, that, that token could be used in a DeFi ecosystem for all kinds of things. You know, it could be used as a passport to using a, a certain kind of protocol. It could be used, you know, as a kind of reputational badge. You could use it to create uh, disclosure ecosystems built around that token. There are all kinds of really interesting things that, that would give that disclosure life and utility. And it would, again, more along the lines of a kind of consumer protection model, it would really, you know, provide an opportunity, particularly with, with the riskier dApps, you know, decentralized applications, to really provide a, a kind of an onboarding mechanism that would merge disclosure and financial literacy and technical literacy in a way to make the system a little bit safer. I think that's a really fascinating example of how you can use these new technologies to reimagine current processes and, and the frameworks that have been put in place, as you said, for the most part coming on 100 years ago, rethinking them for the, the next generation. You said, you know, as we wrap up here, that AML and KYC, and I think you know, probably the current experience of, of onboarding, had helped inspire uh, what you're seeing here. And I would imagine it's kind of that, that gap between uh, what is and what could be that was really driving your thinking when you imagined what this should be like for a, a DAO. Yeah, exactly. Well, exactly. You know, like, like Basically, this, this kind of a, for example, a passporting system, you know, is very much inspired by a kind of whitelisting approach that's used uh, in AMLKYC. But, you know, if you can start to tokenize a person's engagement with disclosure and successful engagement with that disclosure, it moves you even beyond AMLKYC into questions like sophistication, trying to really rethink what sophistication means where understanding technology is perhaps or is definitively more more important than just understanding traditional uh, finance principles and if you can create sort of hallmarks of sophistication that allow people even if they don't necessarily have you know your traditional accredited investor status even if they don't have wealth you know to kind of earn their way into the ability to really demonstrate a level of sophistication where they can navigate some of these technologies safely so you've been providing some fascinating examples of how this technology can make disclosure you know, much more dynamic and interesting and meaningful, particularly at the consumer level, which is important for distributed finance. We talked about where we were beginning, that the you know, regulators have really started to focus on this area quite a bit. And you know, maybe if we could wrap up with your thoughts on what solving disclosure and clients' questions could mean for the trajectory of DeFi. 
Well, you know, I, I think that if you can start to, and we use that example of just the, the, the disclosure NFT, but, you know, think about just all the other kinds of, of, of utilities you could imagine, right? I mean, you have some, this, this issue of DAOs, you know, these decentralized autonomous organizations where you could, you know, think to yourself, can, can we introduce governance principles that would allow individuals specialized individuals, maybe IIF teaming up with a bunch of law professors, you know, to participate in certain kinds of institutions, you know, to, to come up with disclosure principles to help alleviate the costs of, of compliance, right? So to redefine, you know, the resources available to even earlier stage companies and products to draw off of principles and ready-made disclosure principles in ways that ultimately make compliance itself cheaper, but also to redefine compliance and to really make sure that rules and expectations keep up with technology. And I think that's what's, what's, what's really interesting, you know, is can we come up with either through a disclosure NFT or a disclosure DAO? And, you know, we talked very briefly, you know, at the outset of using something called, you know, decentralized identities in, in a way that inspires not just regulators, but, but in a way that inspires founders and, and software engineers that, that makes compliance into a, an interesting technical question as much as a legal one. Because I, I, what I fear is that by only drawing on 1930s principles, you're, you're creating a system that's not only one where the technology is incompatible with rules and regulation, but also a world where rules and regulations are not keeping up with the technology in terms of even the expectations that regulators would, would really wanna have for themselves. And, and so there's gotta be a, a path to really exciting regulators, but also drawing those ideas and that engineering power and that talent into the field in a way that not only promotes disclosure and the protection of participants, but also in doing so can also help to promote the, uh, the, the ecosystem, uh, but, but in, a, in a very healthy way. Well, I think you provided a really compelling example of why people are excited about the capabilities of blockchain technology and what's going on in the DeFi space. And I think that your message of, you know, let's not lose this opportunity to rethink what's possible and reimagining uh, how you can meet those, you know, core objectives of disclosure, consumer protection and market stability and sound and secure transactions. So uh, your paper, Disclosure, DApps and DeFi, out now. Interesting read for those who are, are interested in these questions and what we've just outlined. We talked a fair amount today about the U.S. context, but this is something that's going on very much at the global level. The OECD, Organization for Economic Cooperation, has done quite a bit of interesting work on DeFi, and I think that this will be uh, an important new area for evaluation around the world in the years to come. So thanks very much for spending some time with us today, Chris, at FRT, and we look forward to uh, speaking with you again in the future. My pleasure. Thanks so much. A reminder that you can find all episodes of FRT on the IF website or wherever you access your podcast. Thanks very much for joining us for today's episode, and we look forward to seeing you soon on FRT.